All right. Um, so Father's Day, Father's Day brings such mixed emotions for people. Um, for some, it's uh, pain. Um, it's a time of remembering lost ones. Uh, maybe it was a father. Uh, maybe it was a child. Um, and maybe they're not lost uh, physically. Uh, maybe they're just not around anymore, and they're just, you've broken contact. Um, and Father's Day is just a way to remind us of that, um, just like Mother's Day. Um, some may have regret over just uh, past mistakes and uh, just decisions we've made uh, just in our children growing up. Uh, but some, some can reflect fondly uh, on just the legacy that they're going to be leaving. Uh, for others, uh, Father's Day is a, a joyous occasion, um, just a time to remember a loving man in our life. Um, that just shaped our life in a profound way. Um, and although he wasn't perfect, uh, he did the best he could. Uh, so for some children, um, and to use the term children loosely, uh, everyone in here is a child of somebody. So for some children, Father's Day is a reminder of what they didn't have. Uh, it brings deep pain and hurt. Um, Maybe there was abuse or abandonment, um, and we don't really have that example in our lives to draw from of what a good father is. And fathers play such a, a pivotal role in our lives. Um, it's directly related to a symbolism of God as our father. And it's because of that role that a lot of people have a hard time seeing God as a loving father. And uh, so today, uh, whether you're one of those that was reminded of the pain and loss, whether it be a child or a parent, um, I empathize with you. Uh, I haven't lost any children, and I could not imagine the grief that would go with that. Um, just thinking about it does break my heart. Um, I haven't lost a parent yet, and I know that just as they get older, that that's inevitable. Um, and uh, that doesn't make it any easier, knowing that. Um, but what does make it bearable is knowing that the Father I'll talk to you about today, uh, knowing the Father in heaven, that one day I will rejoice again with those that I have lost on the way to glory. So the Father in heaven is the only source of true comfort in our lives um, in a time of loss. So we're going to go over a, a few examples um, just about fatherhood. Um, to start us off, I've got a quote from Mark Twain. Um, and older fathers will be able to relate, relate to this with their children. Uh, so Mark Twain said that when he was 14... Um, his father was so ignorant that he couldn't stand to be around him. But by the time he was 21, he was amazed in how much his father had learned in seven years. And I definitely can relate to that. Um, I'm sure I gave my parents a hard time growing up. And by the time 
somewhere around college, you, you start to realize that your parents do know a lot more than you. And they've already got a lot figured out that you still have left to learn. Um, so with that, um, I'd like for you to turn to a very familiar text. It's uh, Luke 15, um, starting in verse 11. And this is the story of the prodigal son. And he said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the young son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was going to give him anything. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than I, more than enough bread, and I am here dying with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robes and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Now I read that um, for two reasons. Um, the first reason is, at some point or another, we are all prodigal children to God. Um, and in this parable, Jesus is telling us that God doesn't care about that. God just wants you to come to him and write your relationship with him. God wants to love you. Um, he says, my son was lost. My son was dead, and now he's alive again. Um, he rejoices in that. Now, the second reason I talk about this is, um, for some of us, there's prodigals in our lives, whether they be children or whether they be parents. Um, there's those in our lives that, for some reason or another, have gone another way. Um, and it's... It's hard for us, um, and a lot of times we're filled with regret over that um, and constantly wondering, what what could I have done different? Um, What went wrong that I could have made different? Um, And in most cases, the answer is nothing. Um, You're not responsible for your grown children's decisions. 
Um, all we can do is pray for them. Um, all we can do is pray that they will come back to God. Um, that the relationship they need to get right is with God. Um, now, I've got a story here um, of a young man that he was standing trial. And the judge proceeding in front of the trial, he knew him growing up. Um, he knew his father. His father was a very well-known lawyer, um, wrote many exhaustive studies on law. And the judge said to the man, as you stand here convicted, I want you to think about your father. I want you to think about how good of a man he was. Um, what, what would your father say now if he could speak to you? And the man tells the judge, sir, you know my father is a great lawyer. Um, but every time I went to my father... He did not have enough time for me. Every time I went to my father, he said, I'm busy. Go away. So, you know my father is a great man, but I didn't know my father. Um, And the judge realizes that his father, yes, was a great lawyer, but in the process, he lost his son. And... As fathers, sometimes we do that. Um, Our children will come to us, and for whatever reason, at the time, we have good intentions. I mean, we may be doing something for them, but we don't make the time for them. Um, But there's always time for our children. Um, And even if the response is just to your child, help me, um, come beside me. And that may make your work harder, but in the long run, your child's going to remember that. Um, so to those of you who maybe were unable to conceive uh, for yourself, uh, that doesn't mean that you can't pour into another's life. Uh, we look to the Apostle Paul and Timothy uh, in multiple texts. Paul refers to Timothy as his spiritual son. Um, Paul invested everything he possibly could into Timothy. Um, And Timothy was of no relation to Paul whatsoever, but Paul considered him a son. But what I really want to address today is how to be a good father figure um, in the life of a child. Um, And maybe you have excellent memories of your childhood. Um... Maybe growing up for you was like a 50s or a 60s sitcom. Um, but maybe you don't. Um, maybe you grew up in a broken home and you don't have anything to draw from. So when you hear about a good father, you don't really know what somebody's talking about. Because um, you, you don't have that experience. Um, so to see what a good father looks like, I'd ask you to turn to another very familiar text... Um, I would doubt that there's anybody in this room that hasn't heard this before, but if you will turn to the 23rd Psalm.
But the 23rd Psalm starts out, The Lord is my shepherd. The word Lord here is the Hebrew Jehovah. Um, and Jehovah means I am that I am. Um, and this is a sidebar in the New Testament when Jesus tells them, For Abraham, I am. Um, that's why the Jews wanted to kill him because he was saying at that point, I am God. I am he. Um, the Lord is my shepherd. Um, if we think of what a shepherd is, um, one that guards the flock, one that watches over, um, one that will leave the 99 to go get that one. Um, if we think of that person, that's what a father is. Um, so the Lord is my shepherd. This is a direct relationship it's an intimate relationship. Um, it's like, I am, my, I am his and he is mine. I shall not want. Um, he is going to fulfill everything in you. Um, there's absolutely nothing that you could ask the Father and he won't give you. Um, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. So the thing about these two verses, he makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. He comforts our souls. He gives us what is not his, I mean, what is not ours, but his. He bestows his riches, his mercy on us. He restores my soul. Now the word restores here is more than just gives you your soul back. This is the reference um, to the going after the one and leaving the 99. That you mean so much to God that he will risk everything to bring you back to him. And he did in his son. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Your relationship with Christ, he gives you his righteousness. He takes all your sin away and puts his righteousness on you. He takes all your guilt, all your shame, everything against you, and takes it on himself. Even though I walk through the valley of a shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So in verse 4, this is the first time in this particular psalm that he starts speaking in the first person. Um, that relationship is so strong, and now he faces death. Um, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, if you think of you think of sheep, um, sheep aren't known for being courageous. Sheep aren't known for being smart. The characteristic that stands out the most about sheep is they are dumb. Sheep are one of the dumbest animals there are. And when you think about the one that gets lost, it's, it's not like the sheep was going out looking for something better. The sheep doesn't really know what it's doing. It just gets lost because it's dumb. <laughs> it can't find its way back. 
Um, and that's why God has to come for us. Um, but in that reference, a shepherd has two, two things, a rod and a staff. And the rod is used for correction. Um, so when you, when you read this verse, um, I'll fear no evil, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We don't think of the rod being a comfort because it's used for correction. But if we reference it to um, Exodus, Moses raises his rod to separate the waters. He lowers his rod to bring him back on, is on uh, Egypt, who's pursuing him. Um, and there's no greater comfort than knowing that the rod of God is there for your protection. Um, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now you may be thinking that that's all well and good. Um, We know God's a loving father. Um, We can see that in scripture. But how can we be like that? And... Luckily for us, the Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. So if your desire is to be an image of God in the life of your children, um, in the life of others' children, uh, to be someone they can look up to, Paul tells us in Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. The closer we are to God, the further we are from sin. Um, The more we are in God's Word, the less we desire the things of this world. Um, And I can't think of a greater legacy to leave your child than with that. Um, To grow their relationship with the Lord. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do things that you please. Part of growing up is learning to not do the things that you want to do. Um, we can't always have fun. Uh, we can't always go out and do the things we want to do. Um, there's work and responsibility, and that's just part of growing up. Uh, that's part of growing up in life. That's part of growing up spiritually. Um, and the key to growing up spiritually is the more... We put away the things we want to do and do the things we should do with following God. The more we desire to do the things that God wants us to do. Um, But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, 
dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. It's interesting that Paul puts things like these when he just named off, I don't know how many there are there, 15 or 20 things. Um, He covered just about anything you can think of. Um, And in our lives, we find these things. Um, Idolatry. Uh, Your kids can be idols to you. Um, I think that's one of the biggest areas of struggle in my life, uh, that my kids can become idols to me. Um, But anything you put before your God is an idol. Um, And that is one thing that we can teach our children to put God first and the rest will follow. Um, uh, Just a couple other ones on here. Um, Anger. Um, Anger is something that is just natural to humans. Uh, It's so quick to have a short temper. Um, And we often will... Uh, lose our temper just at the drop of a hat. Um, And it's so quick to do that. Um, And the opposite of that would be self-control, which is the fruit of the Spirit, um, which is coming up in a few verses. Um, Disputes, arguing, um, dissension, uh, drunkenness, Um, I don't know where you're at on the alcohol issue, um, and that's really neither here nor there. Um, But the idea of drunkenness, um, one thing that I've never really understood about alcohol is is why. Um, what, What is your goal with drinking? Um, and that is, that's really the case with anything that's a, a borderline fence issue. Um, what's, what's your purpose? Um, with, with alcohol, I've seen alcohol do horrible, horrible things to people. Um, and all that aside, whether you want to take that risk or not, um, why why would you want your children to see that in you? Um, why would you want your children to see you different than you really are? Um, because the whole purpose of alcohol is to um, relax you, uh, to make you somebody different than you are. Um, and if your goal is to be different than you are, you're trying to escape something. Um All right, so moving on. And things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who participate in such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
self-control. Again, such things, there is no law. So oftentimes when we think of the fruit of the Spirit, um, we teach them to our children. Um, these are the ones we name off. But an interesting thing in the text is Paul ends it, and such things, there is no law. He ends it the same way as he ends the bad things. And these such things, meaning there's more. I could go on. The list continues. Um, it's the same thing with the fruits of the Spirit. Um, there are so many more attributes of God that we can display. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So, the idea here is to be more like God, we get in God's Word. To be more like the example you see of the Father in heaven, in Psalm 23, we get in God's word. Um, we don't we don't have a lot of time in this world. Um, and the greatest legacy you can leave is with your children. Um, you can go and put all your time in making money, but when you die, that money is gone. Um, you can spend all your time having fun and teaching your kids to just have fun and when you die your kids will continue down that path but that path doesn't lead to good things um, the legacy as a father that we want to leave with our children um, the legacy as a man that we want to leave with our children is that of a loving father, a father that knows God, a father that wants you to know God. Um, and it may be in your life that you're grown and your kids are grown and you miss that. Um, and maybe when they were growing up, you were the father that just wanted to have fun and you wanted them to have fun. And now they've gone your way but in the course of time, you've been saved. You've come to God, and your life has changed. But now your children want nothing to do with you. And that's a hard thing. Um, and all we can do about that is pray um, and ask forgiveness. We can go to anyone in our life and ask forgiveness. There's no need to carry the burden of regret in your life. Um, if you're unable to obtain a human forgiveness from anybody, then the burden's not on you anymore. Um, you can cast that burden completely on God. You have done what you need to do. Um, you have made it right. And from then on, you can just have joy that God has forgiven you. And that you have asked forgiveness. Um, so just in closing, um, you may not have known uh, the relationship with God that I talked about. 
Um, you may still not know that relationship of God the Father, um, one who loves you um, in all things. Um, and it may be that now's the time. It may be that now the Holy Spirit is drawing you to himself. And in that case, I would ask you to come. Come forward, um, even if you just want to know more about God the Father. I ask that you would come forward. Um, you may want to come confess um, to God that you haven't been the Father that he called you to be. Um, that you haven't been the man that you should have been. Uh, you may want to come to confess to God that you want to be that now. Uh, you may want to come and pray that God will help you lead your children. God will help you lead them to be the leaders of the next generation. That they would be the men um, and the women of God that would raise godly children. Um, you may want to come and pray that God would just give you comfort um, from the burden that you've been carrying. Um, but in that, I invite you to come now um, as Betsy will play the hymn of invitation. Okay, just as a reminder, um, next week is men's breakfast. Um, and reminder again, the services are swapped next week. Um, so if you're sitting in your Sunday school class at 10 a.m., you're in the wrong place and you're by yourself. We'll be in here. Um, Dr. Tarkington, if you don't mind, will you close this in prayer?